watch videos like that and I see those children and think about the number of children in this world that are impoverished. I had the, the uh, opportunity to go to Lima, Peru and see slums, to go to uh, Delhi and Mumbai, India and see slums. And when you see children suffering, if your heart does not move to action, then I would call, I would, I would highly challenge you to get on your face before God and find out what the issue is. Because suffering children is something that is not meant to happen in this world. Adults make decisions sometimes um, that put them in situations where they may suffer. Sometimes they don't. And I'm not saying don't have compassion on adults. But those children had no choice. They had zero choice at this point. They were born into their families. They've had zero opportunity. And so, um, man, I just encourage you. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Maybe it's give finances to that ministry, uh, you know, to the ministry that's going on there. Maybe it's to go and to bless them. But a, uh, don't discount um, what you can do for them as little because I guarantee 20 bucks um, in, that, in that village would feed those children probably for several days. Um, Annual income in that orphanage is $1,000 for all of them for one year. $1,000 for 14 kids and two adults? for an entire year. So just don't discount it. Don't think, oh, my contribution is small. Your contribution is huge. Because Jesus said, one of the things that Jesus said, he said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When you and I think we're rich, we think Bill Gates. When they think rich, they think us. They think you and me. Um, so I don't care if you make $13,000 a year or $300,000 a year. We are wealthy uh, beyond belief on the world's standards. So um, give what you can. Pray hard and uh, go when the Lord asks you to. Amen? Amen. Okay. That being said, my name is Eric Hill, and uh, I do serve on the on the board here at, at Life-Changing Ministries and Fellowship. Uh, I serve at a church in the Dallas area. Um, we, have a, we have a statement that we always say, we are a church that believe God can. There are some churches that believe God can't. We are a church that says God can and that he does and that he will. Um, so I'm right at home here. Uh, as, 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 as Pastor Eric said, he discipled me when I was first born again. Um, and now here we are 13 years later, encouraging one another, loving one another, and he still pastors me. So no, no, no. <laughs> Don't let him fool you. I have no power outside of the community. So. Without Justin and Wade's approval, I can do nothing. Uh, no, it's good to be here. I, uh, just for a handful of you, I know most of you, but for a handful of you, I am happily married. Uh, my wife, Bridget, and I have three children. Our oldest son is Joshua. He's five and a half. Uh, our daughter, Evangeline, she's three and a half, and we have a 21-month-old boy, Marcus. And uh, they are incredible. They teach me more about the father heart of God than, than I could ever imagine. They teach me more about learning to be gracious and compassionate um, than I ever could have imagined. And, and the, the, the man that I am today... Uh, and the man I was three years ago are totally different. And I love, there's a, there's a pastor, Chris Hodges, he's from, he's from Baton Rouge, um, has a church in Birmingham, and he, and he likes to say, I know I'm not the man that God's called me, that I should be, but I'm also not the man that I was. And I'm on the journey there, right? Amen. So we're not the people necessarily that we know we, we need to be, but we're growing and we're changing. The Second Corinthians uh, 3, 17, 18 says that um, as we with all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And all of this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not from you and me straining to be uh, become more glorious. It's not from you and I 
straining to, to, to be perfect or to do all the right things or say all the right things or be all the right things. It's when we submit to the Lord's presence in our life, when we behold His glory, when we spend time with Him, um, that we're transformed. And that is the only thing that will transform us. No amount of discipline will transform us. But it takes discipline to be in the presence of the Lord, and He's the one who brings transformation. So, we'll side note. I do. I have like 15 messages. You guys don't understand. I, I, I teach pretty regularly at my church up there, but I have so much, you know, God always teaching me new things and learning new things and growing in new ways. And so on the way down here, I was just praying, God, what do you want me to say? I've got about 22 messages uh, that you've built in me, you know, just in the, since the last time I was here that I could, that I could share. I really feel like God gave me a word in the middle of worship. Um, and uh, so why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I actually started working on me on this. Um, work, uh, on the way here, I... Uh, I hear that the Houston area is quite. I hear that's not the we do here. Oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were saying Eric. <laughs> um, I, I, I've been seeing in the area, and I've heard in the area, you've got a plethora of, of religious. Uh, <laughs> now I really don't know. What's uh -oh. Going on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys got a plethora of, uh, of uh, religions that seem to be filling this area. Um, you've got a Buddhist meditation place over here. I hear there's another Buddhist meditation place nearby. There's a Hindu temple. There's mosques. There's there's a growing number of, of um, New Age participants and just the variety of religious um well, well, they're demonic forces, a number of demonic forces that are moving in this area and trying to take over um, uh, what God's doing here in the local area. And I don't just mean here in Life Changing Ministry. I mean any Christian, um, any, any group of Christians that's trying to advance the gospel in this place, Satan hates it, demonic forces hate it. And so they're going to move in and use whatever they can um, to try and undermine the work of the Lord. So we're going to look at some, some scripture tonight in Ephesians 6. I know you guys are all familiar with it. It's about the armor of God and putting on the armor of God. But I want to add a little something that I think sometimes uh, gets overlooked in this passage. The entire book of Ephesians is, is, is written to a collective people. And in almost every case, it is always spoken in the plural when they're referring to some. Okay, so in Greek, it always comes out in the plural. So when he says, I pray that you... He's saying, I pray that you all, that you guys, that every single one of you, the problem isn't that English, you start saying you all. It doesn't sound correct, except all where we're from. Y'all. Y'all. I pray that y'all's eyes of the heart, the eyes of your heart be opened, that you be able to experience what God has for you. And so, tonight as we talk about uh, putting on the full armor of God, God has this message for the community of believers. So, y'all. As the body of Christ, put on the full armor of God. Y'all, as a community, intercede. Our identity, uh, our personal identity uh, in Christ is, is amazing. Uh, how many of you know being a son or daughter of the Most High God is amazing? There is no stronger or better identity in the world. However, that identity is not independent of your identity in the community. Um, so your, your individual relationship with the Lord is awesome and incredible, but oftentimes we tend to forget that our 
uh, our place within the community of God and the fact that he was saving a people. Peter says, uh, quotes out of Exodus 19, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You collectively belong to God. So not only individually do we belong to God, but collectively we belong to God. And it's important to recognize that because you cannot do it. I cannot do it without the collective body of Christ. So I can pray and intercede at my house all day long. That's awesome. I encourage you to do it. Paul tells the Thessalonians, don't, don't cease in prayer. Never, never cease from prayer. Um, and that's incredible. So do it as an individual. But also gather together as a community of faith and let's resist the demonic forces that are trying to, to push back um, the advancing kingdom of God. you got to remember this. We're light overcoming uh, the darkness. Darkness can't overcome the light. It's impossible for them to overcome truly the light of God. But they will do everything they can to try and dim it, to try and cloud it, to try and push it out. And as long as you and I sit by, or as long as you and I uh, leave it up to other people to resist, um, we will be sorely disappointed when we wake up one day and uh, God was asking you and me to resist, and all of a sudden we're overcome by the very thing that we were, uh, that we failed to, to resist. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's look at Ephesians 6. And I might be a little bit all over the map here. So like I said, God's been putting all kinds of stuff in my heart. But uh, let's look at Ephesians 6. We're going to read verses 10, uh, 10 through 18. Actually, we're going to read 10 through 20. And then we'll go back and look at, look at it a little bit more in depth. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Everybody's there, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now, you remember, who's he talking to? The whole us. community. Yeah, us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert. Be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. How often are we supposed to pray for all the saints? Always. always. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. <laughs> What's interesting here is that uh, Paul's not only writing to, to a community of believers about, um, it, it, actually it's amazing when you look at the whole book of Ephesians, the, the, the primary theme is about them resisting the forces of darkness that are trying to overcome. I'm sure Pastor Eric's told you guys before that in Ephesus there was a, there was a demonic uh, spirit that ruled there 
named Artemis, the female goddess Artemis, or Diana, the goddess of fertility. Um, and this place in Ephesus was known for, for uh, being a, a haven for witchcraft, so to speak. If you read in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts in Ephesus, it's where they burned a whole bunch of magic scrolls. Um, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of Greek magic that took place in this area. So there was a lot of, of evil forces that were working against them. So he's saying, um, you guys got to pray and resist these evil forces. But then at the very end, he says, by the way, also pray for me, so that when I proclaim the gospel, I may do it fearlessly. That as I should. Now, you and I, we think of Paul. When we think of Paul, we think, man, that guy did everything fearlessly, right? He did it with courage. He preached with courage. I mean, he wrote the, the scriptures. You could see his confidence in it all. And here's this guy saying that without the prayers of the saints, without you guys interceding on my behalf, without y'all being clothed with the armor of God and interceding on my behalf, I will fail at my job of proclaiming the gospel. Wow. Starting uh, from the back here, but I wanted to to tie it in with the, the people that are going on missions. Pastor Eric is, a, is, a, is an amazing man of God. Pastor Matt, the uh, leaders here, Steve, the elders, Charlie Brown, um, the people that, that, that serve in this ministry, that lead in this ministry, powerful men of God. I have all the respect in the world for them. I know that they are spirit-filled, spirit-led, uh, spirit-empowered believers. But without the prayers of the saints, they will not be able to do what they do. And you will not be able to do what God has called you to do. We need one another. I need the prayers of the saints. Right now I have three or four people praying for this very moment as I stand up here and share. Their own volition. I need those prayers. Whatever you do, you think, whether it's speaking in front of people, whether it's going on a mission trip, or whether it's just being at work around worldly people, you need the prayers of the saints. Whatever God has commissioned you to do, you need the prayers of the saints. And I always, uh, I always hear this statement, you know, if you need a friend, be a friend. If you need prayer, be a prayer. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, and you do, and I do, then start by being a prayer. Um, let's, look at, let's look at verse 10 here and start from the beginning. Ephesians 10, uh, 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm going to be flipping back and forth through the book of Ephesians because Paul is, is, is summing up the, the, the letter here in Ephesians. And he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verses 18 through 23. Actually, we'll just look through 21. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and this incomparably great power for us who believe. We're supposed to stand strong in the Lord, stand firm in the Lord, and in His power. Let me tell you what that power is like. Paul says that power is like the working of, of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So the power in which we stand is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him above every dominion, every rule, every power, every authority, every title that can be given both in this age and in the age to come. So he's seated above everything. And if you read in Ephesians uh, uh, 2, a little while after that, the scripture says that in the same book that God has seated you and me with him in the heavenly realms. So where are we seated? 
With Christ. With Christ, far above all rule, power, authority, and dominion, and every title that can be given, both in this age and the age to come. This is why we can stand fearlessly before our enemies, before the demonic forces that try to, uh, try to overcome us, because the great power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has also seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Um, there is no power greater. There is no power greater. We have nothing to be afraid of, and there is no power greater. When, when, when you guys travel to Romania, you're going to experience uh, spiritual warfare that you don't experience here simply because of the, the, uh, the, the spiritual climate in that area and the false gods that are worshipped in that area. But you have nothing to be afraid of. Because the spirit of the living God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me, and has already seated us in the heavenly realms fall above all rule, power, authority, and dominion, and every title that can be given both in this age and the age to come. When Jesus stood before his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Amen. So go do it in my authority. Go do it with my power. You have nothing to be afraid of. Flip back to, to Ephesians 6, uh, verse 11 there. He says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Most of the time I hear this, this, this scripture used, that last part there has always seemed to be skipped over. What do we put on the full armor of God for? Well, to resist, uh, to, to do intercession, do spiritual warfare. But he says you put it on so that you can avoid the enemy's schemes. So that we can resist the enemy's schemes. And what are the enemy's schemes? If you look back in, in um, chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. 25 through 27. He says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. I would actually argue that in order to put on the full armor of God, you have to put off the falsehood. And speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Satan's scheme is, is for you and I to be divided against one another. 2 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, Paul, in the previous letter, had told the people that there was some sexual morality in the camp. And he said, oust that guy, he's going to cause sin in the camp. Now this is very, uh, this was very biblical if you think about um, Kor's rebellion or Achan's, Achan's sin in the Old Testament. You see all the time that um, when somebody is in danger of defiling the community, God will bring judgment on that individual because once again, the community is as important to God as the individual. And if somebody threatens the community, God would rather cut that person off and save the community than to try to spare one person and it defile the entire community. This is why Hebrews says, don't let a bitter root grow up among you and defile many. Amen. And that's why Paul says, warn a divisive person once. After that, warn him again. After that, have nothing to do with him. You can be sure that he's depraved, he's sinful, his mind is warped, and he's self-condemned. Oust him from the group because he will defile many. Wow. Now, Paul says this, and it says this all throughout Scripture. And in 2 Corinthians, he says... Um, the, in, the punishment that you inflicted that was inflicted by the majority on this individual has brought him to a place of sorrow. Now love him and forgive him and invite him back into the, back into the fold. For we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. We don't want Satan to outwit us. 
is what he says. How does he outwit us? Well, we continue to allow division and separation to come between us. So when there's anger, it leads to frustration. It leads to, to, to unforgiveness and bitterness when we don't when it goes unresolved. And what happens is the Satan gets right in the middle there. And he begins to, to work his way in and divide us, and it tears down the community of God. And so this is why we put on the full armor of God. This is why we lock shoulder to shoulder, and I refuse to stay angry at my brother, Matt, or I refuse to stay angry at my sister, Cassidy, or whoever it is that we have beef with. Because I promise you, as long as you rub shoulders with, with, with people, especially other believers, there will come a point in time when you offend one another. I will offend you. I may have already offended some of you tonight. Pastor Eric will offend you. You will offend one another. We will offend each other. And that's Satan's scheme is to get in there and to allow that to turn into some form of bitterness. Allow that to continue to eat away at the peace between us. What do you say? Put off falsehood, for we are all members of one body. You can't divide Christ. You can't separate Christ. So if at any point you or I get to the point where we have hardened our heart, where we become bitter, and we begin to bring division into Christ's body, I guarantee he will bring judgment. Not because he's helped to get you, but because he loves you and he loves his body. And the goal is always restoration. The goal is always reconciliation. The goal is always forgiveness. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So he said, consider it discipline when you're undergoing these hardships. Consider it discipline whenever you're rebuked from the Lord. Consider it discipline because he loves you. But he also loves his body. In a, in, a, in a culture that is as individualistic as ours, it's all about us. What's God's will for me? What's God saying to me? I challenge you. Start thinking, what's God's will for us? Amen. What's God saying Amen. to us? Amen. That's a good word. And I promise you, whatever's best for us is best for you. Yeah. Right. And when I say us, I'm talking about capital C and I'm talking about local C. Right? The big capital church and the little little C, the local church, which is this body of believers, which is my church up there, which is any body of believers that has been planted by Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look at 612. Hey, E, while you're yes, doing that, please. twist no, twist your mic up. There we go. Sorry about that. No, no problem. Used to doing a handheld. It's kind of weird. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> um, Six twelve. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In uh, chapter two, looking back at, at chapter two, it says that uh, the prince of the power of the air oversees this world, that he is influencing this world, that he influences the ways of this world. This is the guy that we oppose. This is the guy that we resist. Amen. He wants to bring it down to a human level where even, let's say Matt and I are enemies. Let's say Matt, let's, let's just put this in, in real good terms, okay? Matt over here worship is, worships at this Buddhist temple and he hates Christians because he believes Christians are a thorn in the flesh of peace. 
And so every time I meet him and I try to love him, he resists me, he opposes me, he's always undermining what's going on. My war is not with Mac. My war is against the demonic spirit that oversees, that influences this entire process. You understand? Our war is not against the people that show up at the mosque. Our war is not against the people who show up at the Hindu temple. Our war is not against the people who show up at the Buddhist gardens. Our war is not with the people that we, our co-workers, who may be atheist or hedonist. Our war is not with them. It's against the powers that are influencing them, the God of this age that has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So when we resist, when we stand firm in the full armor of God, understand you are not resisting that person. You are resisting the power that is influencing that person. And there is a huge difference because we are called to love our enemies. We are called to bless our enemies. We're called to be gracious and kind and even generous, Jesus says, to our enemies. Because guess what? God is kind and gracious and generous to his enemies. He causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous, the rain to come for the righteous and the unrighteous. It says he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Wow. And, and this is how he phrases it in Luke and in Matthew, in, in chapter 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, love your enemies. He says, love your enemies so that you can be sons of your Father in heaven. So that you can act like your Father. And if your Father is kind and generous to the wicked and the ungrateful, then guess what you and I are called to be? Mm. Kind and generous to the wicked and the ungrateful. In hopes that they see the light, they see the love, and they turn and they begin to glorify the true God, the one true God. And his son Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through strong apologetics, through being able to, to show them in all the ways in which they're in error. Or to talk about all the science that proves why God is the creator. Or whatever it is that we come up with fine sounding arguments. I promise you, love is the only thing that brings transformation into people's lives. Amen. And that doesn't mean at times that we don't persuade, but it's always motivated by love. Love first, and then if it, and then if, and then if, if you feel the Lord leading you, go ahead and, and get into those conversations and maybe talk about some of those apologetics things. But I think our first response is, is to start doing battle with the individual. It's to start looking at them and start dealing with them and start arguing with them. We need to love them and we need to do, do battle and resist the enemy that is that is influencing. Um, also in, in, in Ephesians 1.21, you know, it says that uh, he's seated above all rule, power, authority, dominion, and every title that can be given. These rules, these powers, these authorities, this dominion that takes place. Um, this is all taking place within the heavenly realms in another dimension. Um, which, it is so easy to forget that that world exists. And it is so easy to get our minds caught on earthly things and to stay grounded here because this is what we perceive as reality. Yeah. And this is reality. The only problem is there is another reality which influences this reality. And this is everything Paul's talking about in the book of Ephesians. And in Galatians and in Colossians, I actually uh, I, I, I have uh, done quite a bit of, of study on, on a particular term in Colossians and in Galatians. Uh, the NIV does a really poor job of translating it. It says... Um, when you submit to the basic principles of this world, um, there's a lot of research that shows that that actually is referring to elemental spirits. When you submit to the elemental spirits of this world, 
that is, when you submit to the ways of this world, you are actually submitting to the demonic forces which influence this world. Um, and these are the influences that we're called to resist. Wow. We're going somewhere with this. Let's look at verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Uh, previously in, in chapter 5, Paul says in verses 8 through, through 20 through 17, we'll see where the Lord leads us. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. What's interesting is in Romans 13, God, uh, Paul tells the people to put on the armor of light. To put off the, the clothing of darkness and to put on the armor of light. All military language, by the way. When you start resisting um, demonic forces, you better have a militant spirit um, in order to resist those forces. When we deal with individuals, we deal in meekness and humility. When we deal with demonic forces, we deal, with, we deal in power. And we deal in the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because that's the same way they deal with you. Yeah. And we're not out to call them to repentance. We're not out to call them to transformation. We're out to call them down from the place that they hold in power. And to exalt the name of Jesus Christ above them. Amen. So verses 5. Uh, Live as children of the light. Uh, excuse me. Chapter 5. Verse 8. Uh, live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And who are we? We're the light of the world. Amen. Jesus, he's the light of the world. So everywhere we go and we shine forth the light, it exposes the deeds of darkness. And hopefully when we're in people's presence, this is what I want to encourage you. Hopefully when we're, when we're in people's presence, that they are experiencing the light. And the only way they experience the light are if you and I are walking in the light, submitted to the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways, one of the quickest ways to cover up the light is to have beef with your brothers or sisters. First John says that if we hate our brother, we walk in the darkness and we don't even know what's causing us to stumble. So maybe there's somebody in here, and you're wondering why you keep stumbling. You're wondering why you're walking around, groping around in the darkness. Perhaps there is unforgiveness in your heart. Perhaps there is actually hatred uh, towards somebody. Don't allow, don't allow your pride to keep you from walking in the light. Because the tunnel down in the darkness, it, it, it never ends. You just keep going, and you just keep going, and one day you wake up, and you don't know which way is up, and you don't know which way is down, you don't know which way is left or right, and you don't know how to get out. I'm not saying that you can't get out. There's always an out. Repentance, putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but when you're blind, you're blind. And that blindness comes when we allow unforgiveness to start clouding our judgment, when it allows us to separate us from our community and separate us from God. So live in the light. And as we live in the light, we, people will, will they'll, they'll have to notice. You understand, when we live in the light, even if they don't say anything, even if you don't say anything, they notice. There's something different about that person. There's something loving. And the people who are, are opposed to being in the light because they're shameful deeds, they don't want to give up their wicked deeds, 
Jesus says in the book of Revelation, let them continue in their vileness. But those who are tender, who are starting to respond to the Lord, they'll see the light and they'll be drawn to it. Amen. And they'll want to expose the deeds. You won't have to do it for them. They'll want to expose the deeds. So live as children alike. For it is shameful even to mention. Okay. Um, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul said, well, when the day of evil comes at the end, you'll be able to stand. What does he say right here? Making the most of opportunity because the days are evil. So when does the day of evil come? Every day. So when are we supposed to stand firm and in the full armor of God? Every day. There's not a day that comes by that's not filled with evil trying to oppose the things of God. And that's why we're to make the most of every opportunity. And the only way to make the most of every opportunity is if we continue to walk in the light, if we continue to submit ourselves to the Lord's leading and to allow Him to guide us and, and keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. So whenever you get offended, I'm just going to keep saying it over and over and over again because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we deal with this in our church, you don't deal with this in your church, it's just the thing. We always deal with it. Deal with it in our marriages and our families and keep short accounts. When your brother or your sister or your wife or your child or, or your co-worker, whenever they offend you, Proverbs 17.9 says to cover over an offense is to promote love. And guess who is love? God. God is love. You want to promote God? You want to be a part of His family? You want to act like Him? Promote love. Cover over an offense. Because I guarantee you. Man, Matthew 18, this, this should convict every person who ever reads it. Matthew 18. The story, the parable of the guy who owed the king millions of dollars. And the king said, I forgive you your debt. And the guy went out and he choked a guy for nine months worth of wages. It says he began to choke him and demand repayment. And the guy begged him for mercy. Please don't. And he threw him in the debtor's jail. As soon as the king found it out, he handed him over to the tormentor to be judged. When you and I, when we turn and forget the love that God has for us and the forgiveness that He extended towards us, we begin to choke other people for the small debts that they owe us. You will never be able to repay Jesus for what He did for you. I will never be able to pay, repay Jesus for what I did for him. And if He released me from that debt, there is nothing that can be done to you. Yeah. And listen, I've had my share of tragedies. We've all had our share of tragedies. Those, those kids right there, they're going to experience their fair share of tragedies. There are people in this world who are raped and maimed and pillaged and everything that, that you could believe in burned by people who hate them, tortured for no good reason, sold into sex slavery. Man, I've seen the brothels and I've seen the cages where they, where they keep women locked up. And God even asked them to forgive what their captors have done to them. Why can he do that? Or why would he ask that of us? Because he's forgiven us of all the things that we do. We nailed his son to the cross. We crucified another man's child. We crucified the God of the universe's child. You and I, our sin, put him on the cross. Greatest offense that you could ever do. Take the life of another person's child. And we did it. And he forgives us. In fact, he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. 
people who harm us, the people who have offended us, the people who, who uh, have brought pain into our life and trauma into their life, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing any more than you and I know what we're doing when we act in, in, in sin. Are we held accountable for it? Yes. Are we responsible for it? Yes. But there's always forgiveness. And there's always freedom. And there's always reconciliation. Perhaps there's legal consequences to our actions or the actions of others. That's for the government to decide and so forth. But as far as you and I are concerned, we will never be free until we learn how to forgive. And we, turn, we learn how to pardon and release. Doesn't mean you forget the pain. Doesn't mean the pain goes away. It just means you release them from owing you anything. And Jesus died for their sin the same way he died for my sin. Amen. Um, so they owe Jesus nothing because he paid the debt. Now they can choose to refuse that or accept it. That's on them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They owe me nothing and they owe God nothing because the debt's been satisfied. The debt's been satisfied. It's their choice whether or not they accept that, but it's your eyes' choice whether or not we live in bondage to our own. told you I'd be all over the map. <laughs> One more thing on that note. Uh, unforgiveness and divisiveness are held very close together. Remember we talked about division and divisiveness. If you or I are in a place where we're bringing division to the body of Christ, we will be judged. Unforgiveness is the seed that begins that division. And that's that's the scheme of the enemy. And we need one another sometimes to help point out that weak spot. Brother, I think you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Sister, I think you've got unforgiveness in your heart. And it needs to be dealt with. Because if it doesn't get dealt with over time, you begin to slander, you begin to gossip, you begin to wish harm upon and you begin to devise schemes against the people that you're holding in contempt. And that brings division. And that's divisive. And within the body of Christ, it will be judged. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want it for any of us. He doesn't desire it for any of us. But whatever it is that we hold on to, if we don't get rid of it, it will eventually lead to our own destruction. That's a good word, but <clears throat> yeah. Look, this is this is the thing, man. When I was praying to come down here, um, I always want to bring uh, a word of prophecy, which is it's uh, Paul says this for the encouragement, the strengthening, and the edification of the body, the comfort of the body of Christ. I desire that with everything inside of me. I didn't come down here with uh, any desire to rebuke or to challenge or to do anything like that. Um, my greatest joy is to encourage you guys, but I have seen unforgiveness and divisiveness tear apart people's lives, and I'm very close to it right now, and I believe the Lord just wants to encourage you to get rid of it now, to get rid of it now, before it escalates, before it destroys, before it takes your life and somebody else's. Just get rid of it. Amen. And if you need help getting rid of it, talk to your brothers and sisters. Amen. Talk to somebody who's been through it before. And they'll help you walk you through it. And it's a process, y'all. Look, I know we're supposed to be talking about spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. It is. Because that's the enemy's scheme, is to keep us 
held in bondage to our unforgiveness and our division. And it's a process. Um, sometimes it takes a little while to get to the place where you're willing to forgive and you're able to forgive. But if you're humble enough to get down on your knees and say, God, I just, I want to be able to do it. you got to help me. you got to fill me with this incomparably great power that has seated me in the heavenly realms. I need that incomparably great power to overcome this offense right now. And he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Every time. Every Amen. Time. So the days are evil, so make the most of every opportunity. Verses 14 uh, through, through 16. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Pastor Eric and I were talking about this today, actually. Uh, once again, it's one of those things we kind of breeze over. You know, we put on the full armor of God so that enemy, we can stand against the enemy's schemes. We take up the shield of faith so that we can extinguish the flaming arrows. Sometimes we forget flaming arrows. Think about the flaming arrow. I don't know if he shared this with you guys before. Uh, but when an arrow pierces you, it does a lot of damage, right? When an arrow is on fire and it pierces you, it sets you on fire. Those little things that the enemy throws at us, it only takes one of them. And they stick and it sets the whole person on fire. And if you and I lower our shield of faith, and we stop trusting in the Lord, and we stop trusting that the Lord's ways are right, and we stop being led by the Spirit, before you know it, you will be full of arrows, and you will be on fire. And so we have to stand firm on our shield of faith, and this is the best part. We, we, have to stand firm with our shields of faith together. Amen. Um, you know, the depiction here of, of a Roman army you guys, has anybody not seen Gladiator? <laughs> handful of you haven't. Don't necessarily watch it, all right? It's a violent movie. But there's an amazing thing. You get to see the Roman army in action, um, and you get to see how they worked. And they would literally stand side by side with their shields put together. They would have shields on top of themselves. They formed a tortoise shell, is what it was. They would form a tortoise shell. And nothing could penetrate through those shields. You or I, when we're off by ourselves with our little shield, I don't care how faith-filled you are, you will get pierced from behind and from the side and in the head and everywhere else. But when we stand together, we, as the body of Christ, are invincible. Amen. By ourselves, we are weak. But as we gather together as a community, as we stand firm together, as we put on the armor of of God together. We are invincible. I need you. I need you. I need you standing in place. Your brothers and sisters in this local congregation need you standing firm in faith. We need one another to lock shields so that those flaming arrows don't get a hold of us. Because once they hit, it can set you on fire. And what you thought was a really small thing can suddenly become something that consumes you. So let's stand with our shield of faith. Um, and of course, all these, all these different, uh, the belt, belt of truth uh, around your waist, this is what kept the, 
kept the, uh, it was basically a skirt, which kept the skirt up to protect you from being exposed. Uh, the truth will keep you from being exposed. Amen. The breastplate of righteousness to protect the heart, just in case, just in case you drop that, that shield of faith, just in case you get weak, God has put an armor over your heart to protect you. And it's the righteousness of God that is that is found in Christ Jesus. And you and I, Amen. we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So if we're in Christ Jesus, you know, sometimes those that, that shield of faith will get weak and we'll get tired and those arrows will get past. But they'll come up against the breastplate of righteousness, which protects us, which protects our heart. Um, and then our, our feet, man, made ready. Ready. Soldier who doesn't have shoes will end up getting gangrene because he'll end up cutting his feet and everything else. The gospel of peace that you and I make ready on our feet, we, we always have to be ready to share. Always have to be ready um, to, 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 to proclaim the gospel. And I love it because he says it's the gospel of peace. So here he is talking about warfare and standing firm in the faith, opposing the demonic forces, standing against the demonic forces, but the gospel brings peace. Amen. It brings reconciliation. So whether it's the, the demonic force that is inspiring um, the, the, the uh, Muslims or the Hindus or the Buddhists or whoever it is um, that's inspiring them, we resist them. We militantly stand against them, and we bring forth the gospel of peace, Amen. which can help bring reconciliation between God and God and man. Amen. We take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So here's what I want to do. Enough commentary. Um, I want us as a community of faith, we're going we're to spend a few minutes here and we're going to pray. We're going to resist together. We're going to renounce the stronghold of the enemy that's trying to come in this place. And we're going to do it with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray and proclaim. Pray and proclaim. You want spiritual warfare? You want to engage in spiritual warfare? Pray and proclaim the gospel. Pray and proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Pray and proclaim the Word of God. We're going to stand up and we're going to pray. We're going to resist. We're going to renounce. We're going to defeat the enemy. And we're going to see God start to bring transformation uh, more and more in this local community. Do you guys believe that? Amen. Amen. It's the incomparably great power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead live in you. Yes. Yes. Lives in me too. Amen. Uh, so why don't we stand together? And whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I don't mind you lead prayer meetings, Pastor Eric. But oh, brother, lead. You're doing great. I just figure we'll pray. And uh, whenever the Spirit of the Lord releases us, He releases us. Perhaps it's one prayer, perhaps it's 20. Amen. Y'all pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Father, thank you so much for your glorious, glorious gospel.